0: to episode 30 of from the shed end podcast with myself as always T out and i'm always joined by theo so how are you doing
1: i'm good thanks um for those watching on youtube you can see that it's a new background so i finally moved into my new flat which i'm happy about settled in over the weekend so i'm doing good how about you
0: yeah yeah not bad you know um usual busy <laughs> usual stuff going on uh kids running around so <laughs> yeah
1: it's uh
0: I enjoy, I enjoy these sort of short breaks of not having to be uh, a dad and just being able to talk football for the best part of half an hour to an hour every week. So um, yeah, brilliant. So as always, anyone who's listening as always, you can find us on any sort of streaming platform, Apple, Spotify. Um, you can search for us from the shed ends. listen to our previous episodes and also today's episode as well, while we're recording, you can, can watch that live on YouTube as well. So We're on From the Shed End on YouTube as well. If you just give us a search on Google or on YouTube, you should find us. Um, On Instagram, it's slightly different. We're at From the Shed End with underscores between each of the words. So again, I think one of our posts hit over 4,000 likes over the weekend. Uh, Marvelous Mendy, which we'll get onto later. But um, yeah, give us a like on there. Um, Follow our content. I know Theo does a lot of work on there. So yeah, subscribe to YouTube and all that stuff as well. So Let's, let's get into to Brentford Saturday. I can't remember what we predicted. I'm trying to think what we said.
1: I, I think you said 2-1 and I said 2-2, two, two, I, two, two, I think. I was quite scared no, was, before it was, kickoff. It was well off the mark. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, but it was a good, I mean, it was a good game nonetheless. It was still a good game. Um, it, there's still cracks in there for me, but what? Let, let's get your thoughts first. What, what did you think about uh, what I thought was a very good Brentford side? What, what did you think?
1: Well firstly, i I was very close to getting a ticket for that game. It proved quite difficult to get hold of one. But I'm actually glad I was watching it on my laptop and not in the stadium because my heart would have struggled with that game, especially that last twenty minutes of that second half. My God. But no, it was it was a very good defense defense uh, we were set out very well defensively, I felt. Um and credit to brentford i felt in the first half i thought we'd wrap the game up quite comfortably in the second half but watching that fast 45 minutes they couldn't really get the ball much i think they might have just had one shot being that when m Bumo hit the post but in that second half thomas frank must have had an amazing team talk at half time because they look like a completely new team and it's almost as if the roles got were well reversed and chelsea were unable to get hold of the ball um so and you know they just didn't really allow us to play our football in that second half and it was a really really tough watch as a chelsea fan you know countless you know attacks in our penalty box having to like boot it away and it felt like pinball that time as soon as we clear it they'd be back in and it was not it was uncomfortable to watch but yeah mendy mendy was fantastic absolutely fantastic i think a couple episodes ago i was a bit critical about his distribution And that's just me as a Chelsea fan wanting him to almost be, you know, the best goalkeeper in the world, which I still think he is based on form. But if he really wants to cement that position as the best goalkeeper in the the world, which we saw in that game against Brentford, I don't think any other keeper is making all those saves that he did. Not a single keeper out there can make every single one of those saves that he did. Even the Allisons, New Year's, Edisons, I think they're conceding one of those shots at least. Um, But if he works on his distribution, which I still think we saw a couple of times in that Brentford game, him clearing it and it just reaching a Brentford midfielder, but that's just me being very critical because I want him to be really, really good. But no, overall, really good three points away to Brentford. Um, we saw that they're a tricky side to face with the results that they got against Liverpool and Arsenal at their stadium. So I think to come out with a 1-0 win, a clean sheet and um, a very tricky referee as well, if you don't speak about it, which um, in the end... I'm I thought he'd done well. I thought he'd done he okay. did well. He did well, yeah. I think yeah. He, I was actually presently surprised and it almost feels like it's going to be some kind of end of the world, you know, Clean sheet and Anthony Taylor as referee for Chelsea fans. It feels like it's hard to comprehend, but um, but no, really, really good three points.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think based on the um the changes that were sort of forced on Tuchel in terms of Rudiger not being fully fit, Melang um, Star coming in and having his debut as well, which I thought he played brilliant. Ruben Loftus Cheek getting another start as well. It was. It was always going to be difficult, I think, going to, to Brentford because we, we've already seen what they can do to to big teams such as Liverpool and also, again, our opening game of the season against Arsenal. So I think it was always going to be a difficult game. Um, you, you mentioned M- Boomo as well. I think he was more instrumental in Brentford's attack than maybe an Ivan Tony, who I expected a little bit more from in that game. But I, I thought we'd done really well. And I was I was really impressed with the cheek uh, first half, especially. I thought he was... Arguably, man of the match for it for me. There wasn't Mendy on the pitch. I think he he played really well. But um, yeah, I think one thing that does, and I've, I've mentioned it on here before. One thing that does worry me is the fact that we, you know, we're top of the league. I'm happy about that. I think we've conceded three goals, scored sixteen. Um, is it nineteen points we run now? I think.
1: Um, just, I, yeah, I think I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> Something like that, yeah. but we're still not playing good football, yeah. and. I know it sounds, I was talking to on a separate podcast on Sunday and, you know, I was almost getting, um, you know, not ridiculed, but I was almost, you know, should be I should be happy that I'm sort of, you know, we're top of the league, which I am and I'm, I'm not sort of, but I watch Liverpool and I watch the way they play, albeit against a Watford side or whoever, but they, they just look a better team than we do. We're, we're top of the league, which I'm grateful for, but, I just look at the likes of Liverpool, how they play. They look more solid and and something still isn't clicking for me. You know, we're, we're sort of relying on 17 goal scores we've had or something this season already. Something just isn't clicking. And I don't know whether it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's obviously something that we're not getting the best out of Lukaku, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we've, we've mentioned on here before. But, you know, relying, again, relying on Ben Chilwell sounds bad, but, you know, a Ben Chilwell goal, in a, in a game like that, I expected a bit more from you know Lukaku and um, maybe give Kai Havertz a chance. You know, he hasn't really had a, a real consistent run of games to, to prove what he can actually do for the squad as well. Ziyech missing, Pulisic missing as well. It just seems like something isn't really clicking with the squad at the moment.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree when you mention you know, Liverpool, based on the football that they're playing, it is more... They are playing better than us. Yes, they're playing Watford, who are arguably a weaker opposition than Brentford. And we saw the result that they got against Brentford. They conceded three and um, got a draw. But I still have to agree, something's just not clicking, especially when you compare it to maybe our opening four games of the season. The Palace win, the Arsenal away win, the first half of that Liverpool game before the sending off, and maybe yeah. the, the Villa game at home. Those three games, I thought, you know, four games, three or four games, we are playing our football. This is the football that we'll play on the 2 core. But kind of since then, it's almost something's not right, and I, I don't know if it's because Lukaku's not scoring or getting the service he was getting compared to those four games, or if you know the midfielders just aren't really contributing to attacks. But I don't know. But I, I feel like once we get lost, his cheek, you know, fully into these games, which he is now, I think, yeah. and we get maybe a player like Reese James back, who got injured in that first half of the City game, who I still think is probably one of our most creative players alongside Mount basically based on his delivery and, you know, yeah. Lukaku's aerial ability, I think then maybe we'll start seeing some some goals from our, our forwards. But um, but yeah, I think the Malmo game, the Norwich game, and I think Southampton in a cup are hopefully games where we should be, you know, rotating a little. I want to say maybe giving Lukaku a rest. He's been playing a lot of football. He's he probably playing that Brentford game, still carrying an injury from international break. So it might not have been ideal for him. Mm-hmm. But I think just the one thing I want to say about Lukaku is just, yeah, he's not getting the service he wants but it's an excuse at times we come you want to see your forward contributing to defend you know defensive plays. you want to see him fighting for balls you want to see him creating chances for himself so that's another thing i want to say and you know it's only about a matter of time you know if this goal draft goes on that we start to think you know ken Lukaku could be doing more himself to getting these goals rather than you know relying on other players but I think, you know, a couple of rotations in the next couple of games, maybe give him a rest and bring him back in for Saturday against Norwich. And I really expect him to get a goal in that game because they're arguably, no disrespect to them, but the weakest side in the Premier League at the moment. So Yeah.
0: yeah. What, what what did you take on melang um, who I thought played, again, debutant, and I thought he had a really good game. Um, again, in a very sort of inexperienced, again, Christensen, who I feel is an unsung hero. He doesn't necessarily get the praise that he should just going about his business. But what did you think about Malang Sarr, who came into a game which could potentially have been a lot more difficult against Brentford?
1: Slightly worrying, if I'm honest, when I first saw his name on the team sheet. First Premier League game away to Brentford was, net, was not going to be an easy one. I think the only times we saw him in the Chelsea shirt were in the, the Tottenham friendly at Stamford Bridge, where he was arguably at fault for one or two of the goals that Tottenham scored. And we saw him in a cup against against Villa where he, you know, he got, he got a yellow quite early on and then it was a bit shaky from there, but um, I thought he was fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. He, he looked, he looked cool. He looked um, calm. He looked collective. And he, um, you know, at times when he was making all these interceptions and clearing the ball in the penalty box, you know moving about my glasses i was thinking it's that kante you know honestly because that's how good he was <laughs> he's not he's yeah. not
0: the tallest is he, he no he's
1: tallest, not he's not right. and he's yeah. kind of the same physique and as kante as well so um i thought he was fantastic and um you know i think he made a lot of chelsea fans you know regret what they said before before kickoff because on twitter a lot of chelsea fans were saying oh we're going to lose you know definitely starts getting sent off etc etc so um i thought he was fantastic but it also shows how important of a player Christensen is because arguably the most you know experienced and mature of those three centre-backs and he just looked completely in his place in between the two and you know that's without uh, you know an experienced Silva or Rudiger alongside him so I thought he was absolutely fantastic and now that we consider Christensen one of those experienced centre-backs just goes to show how much he's achieved over the last two or three seasons
0: Yeah definitely and I think it's um only you know credit to himself because I think I remember watching the game m- m- might have been I might have been against Liverpool um, a few seasons ago now, and he he was brilliant then as well. And I think obviously he's gone on to do a lot more uh, and, and played really well against um, in the Euros as well. So it's only credit to himself. But even Chaloba Cil- as well, thought played really yeah. well as well. Having those three at the back, missing Silva, uh, Rudiger, who who again you know I'm sure would have played. I think he came back the day of the game. I think. Um, so he, he wouldn't have been able to play, but I just think not having those in there, but having someone like Christianson definitely helped the two. I think like you mentioned um, at the opening of the, the um, points we made about Brentford, it did show the sort of lack of in, the inexperience, maybe the last 20, 15 minutes of the game, it was, you know, all hands on deck and it was literally just an, literally an assault on Chelsea all the time, you know, literally just, we couldn't get the ball out of our half. And I think bringing on Rhys James, I think I mentioned during the game, you know, that needed to happen 10 Mm. minutes before, because I think you just need, you do need to sometimes switch it up at the back. And I think Rhys James coming on, he's got the experience to do that as well. So, um, but not to take away from Chilwell, I know I mentioned, Mm. you know, relying on Chilwell goals, you know, he got one in internationals, I think before that he got the goal before, the internationals as well. So to, to have um, someone who can do that, we we spoke about how, you know, good Marcus Alonso has been this season, but now the tables have turned because now we're talking about Ben Chilwell, who's kind of keeping Marcus Alonso out the squad. So um, that's, again, I always say on here, that's a brilliant headache to have, I think, as a manager. You know, you've got two arguably very decent, you know, left-sided players um, that can play in a, you know the same position as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Ben Chilwell, three goals in his last three games, it would almost be, seem foolish not to start him in that game, even though Marcus Alonso was on the form of the Nations League games for Spain. But that finish was superb from Chilwell. You know, it's almost yeah. identical to the, you know, the volley finish he scored against Southampton, you know, kind of, you know, with a left foot or maybe the, the right foot against Southampton, but almost the type of finish you'd expect from Alonso, you know, in the volley. So um, hmm. you have to have left wing backs. You can also score goals and contribute to goals. It's a fantastic, you know. Um, you know, asset to the team, and the, as you said, a brilliant headache for two core, 2 on out-informed left wing backs. So, um, I think in the next term, I think we've got a game every weekend now, and a game every in midweek in the next couple of weeks. So, um, definitely, I'm expecting the two of them to get rotated quite often between uh, for those for those next four or five games. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. And just just as we sort of move on, we're going to talk about Mendy. But um, obviously, the news that I think broke, if not. Late last night or yesterday, around Mason Mount's contract. Hopefully, new contracts. I think his current um, contract expires twenty twenty four. I think so. This would obviously be the extension to that. Also, doubling of his wages, which are currently is I think around seventy five thousand a week. So, arguably, kind of makes sense to do that. You know, he's probably been the best player for for Chelsea. Ballon d'Or nominated. Um, makes sense.
1: Yeah, make it really makes sense. I mean. Again, when you look at Chelsea's you know, wages, 75000 a week is relatively low compared to some other mm. players. So when you look at how much he contributes to the team and how important he is, you know, and you realize that when he's not playing, you know, we see how much he, he gives him in, in terms of creativity and even contributes to goals. But um, I think he, he should be well-deserving at least double what he's currently earning, um, 75000 So um, if we can time him down to a five-year contract, uh, that'll be fantastic or... And I think I expect him to eventually be future captain of the side as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that a hundred
0: percent. And obviously we, we still, we talk about, we seem to talk about Rudiger quite a bit on on here, not just in terms of contracts, contractual talks, but in terms of his performance. But is he really worth a £400,000 a week contract? I'd have to say no. Yeah. Um I don't think he is. I think we've 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 got enough in there. I think I think you mentioned as well around Kunde. If we can go back in for him, if not in the the next window, which I doubt, but if we got him in the next summer window, you know, hundred and eighty thousand, two hundred thousand as a push, you know, is half of what Rüdiger's asking for. So, do you think that would be the, the the sort of more viable option to go for Kunde and allow um, Rüdiger to leave?
1: Yeah, I, I it's just getting frustrating now. Um, Four hundred thousand pounds a week is is ridiculous money especially for a center back i mean as good as he is i i would not be paying him that much and i'm seeing a lot of chelsea fans on twitter agreeing that that's too much money and if that's what he's requiring to stay at a club that he he wants to play for then you know clearly that's not you're not wanting to stay at chelsea if you're demanding such you know ridiculous wages so i think um it might be sensible ish come january if he still hasn't agreed on a contract that's lower than a four hundred thousand pounds a week to look at options like kunde I think delete as well is a fantastic yeah. centre back at Juventus, and Juventus are almost going through this transition period where players maybe might want to consider their future there. You know, if they're not part of the long term project when they don't really see themselves, you know, winning trophies at the club anymore. So I think he's a fantastic player to also consider, but um, but yeah, I think centre back should Rudiger It's definitely a role that we should be, we should be looking to fill, and especially if we're able to pay someone less than four hundred thousand pounds a week.
0: It's got to be done. I don't, I just, I you know, I agree with you. I don't think it's, um, I just can't, I just can't justify for, I mean, I, I said the same on a separate podcast around Jack Grealish for 325,000. I just don't see enough of what, you know, those type of players are doing to, to earn that sort of money. Most seller I think is due to get half a, half a million a week contract, which has kind of been floated around on the table. I understand that because of what he's done over the last, you know, three or four seasons, and what he's doing at the moment as well for Liverpool. But to, to see Rudiger, who, yes, is playing brilliantly at the moment, he's in form, but then I look at Emetso o- o- Ozil, who, um, you know, h- how it ended obviously was a bit bad. But in terms of when he was on, well, I'll use Patrick Bamiang actually, as even better example, who signed a contract for big big wages and did nothing for Arsenal for, you know, six, seven months, albeit he scored yesterday. But, you know, you, don't, you get my point. He doesn't, he doesn't do it enough. And I think Rudiger could be in that bracket where, you know, he might give us five games, which is 400 grand's worth of, you know, that type of player, but he's not doing it consistently all season. And I think that's, you know, he's not a world-class centre-back for me. He's not, he's not that level of, of centre-back and for a world-class centre-back, I would pay 400,000 a week because they're, they're indispensable. You know, you can't just go and get another one. So
1: I like to, to hear Paul Skull's view on whether Rudiger should get a £400,000 contract (laughs) based on what he said about Chelsea's defence recently.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, but let's keep it with the defence, but move to the goalkeeper. Um, We we spoke about uh, Mendy many a times on here before how has Mendy not been nominated for a Ballon d'Or? This is, this is actually, it was only up until I think we, well, I know we spoke about it before, but just thinking about it, even looking at the Brentford game, how is he not even in contention
1: for the Ballon d'Or?
0: I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure which goalkeepers are. I'm going to say Donna Donnarumma must be in there. He's um, the only
1: one. He's the only goalkeeper that's been nominated. But the fact the goalkeeper has been nominated means that yeah. they, they're able to be nominated, yeah, yeah. which <laughs> makes it even more stupid that Edward Mendy's not on that list. Yeah. And a player, like, just in shock. Yeah, a player like Gerard Moreno from Villarreal is, is on that list, but you know, Edwell Mendy is not. It's like, ah, oh, it's, 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 it's shocking. It's shocking. I
0: think, I think even going back to the last season, um, champions league, I think maybe it was four goals conceded or in the whole campaign of, of the champions league. Um, I'm sure it was, it was, it was below five. I, I can probably yeah. put my house on that, that. it was below five goals that we think we conceded. um, and just the, it's not just the, the the clean sheets; it's what he does for the team as well. And I think without him, I don't. We definitely wouldn't have won the Champions League. Um, yeah. I, I can easily say that we wouldn't have won. Um, sorry, we wouldn't have got top four last season. So I just look at, and a lot of people are fixed on stats, and I, I'm not really a stats guy. I, I, I'm not. I look at them, but I, I'm, I like to just f- physically watch a play and see what he can do. Arguably, Mendy's got to be—he's got to be in that that bracket of of you know uh, we talk about Edison, um, Allison from Liverpool as well, Donnarumma. Uh, we might put him in there as well. Courtois maybe on his day is is a you know he's a good goalkeeper still, but Mendy just doesn't get spoken about. And the fact he's not got a Ballondor Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or nomination—not to say he's got to win it—but I think to be at least recognised for the work he does for Chelsea. It it for me it's shocking.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, I think he was very humble in what he said, kind of saying I'm still very honored to be nominated in the top ten best goalkeepers in the world for the I think it's the Yash- <laughs> Yashin the Yashin trophy or but I mean I, I you just said you're not you don't really look into stats. I don't either I'd rather watch the game and look at you know what I see on the on the pitch rather than base it on stats. But if you want to base look at stats, I think this season taking away penalties, he saved ninety-six percent of the shots he faced. <laughs> I think he's, he's only conceded Go one on. goal from open play, which was the, the one against Man City in the Premier League. And then I think another stat was um, we've won our last seven away London derbies. Yep. And I think Mendy's played in about six of the, the seven. And we only conceded one goal in those seven games. So if, that doesn't,
0: if that doesn't get you at least around the table of the discussion for a Ballon d'Or, I don't know what it does because, yeah. you know.
1: I mean, Donnarumma, fantastic goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but he spent... You know the first six months of the year at AC Milan, who kind of had a better 2000 end of 2020 than 2021, and he, mm-hmm. you know they, they kind of let Inter win the 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 Serie A and then fantastic Euros. But then again, Mendy he won the Champions League. He's he's you know, he's keeping he's 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 playing really well for Senegal when on international duty. He started the season really well, whereas Don the yeah. kind of still you know switching around with Navas for that first for that number one jersey. So I don't know. It's 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 annoying, but I'm kind of because I I, pl- I play goalkeeper for my five side. I know, like I would love, regardless of who the goalkeeper is, to see a goalkeeper one day win the Ballon d'Or. Yep. So I mean, it would be really special, especially if it's a Chelsea goalkeeper. And if you base it on form at the moment, there's no keeper that's more informed than Edouard Mendy. So I'm shocked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. He, I mean, he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper Mm -hmm. and I think as long as he keeps his consistency up I can't see that they can still ignore it I think he's you know he's arguably gonna for me at the moment he's world class so I know not everyone agrees with that statement but if he carries on the the form that he's got and and develops his game even more you know there's only so long that I think those kind of governing bodies and um can, can ignore him. I think he's just too good of a goalkeeper to be ignored and not not be mentioned as one of the great, one of the world-class goalkeepers that we've got in Europe at the moment, if not the world. So, yeah, you know, as long as he keeps doing that. Mm. Oh, and I was like you, you know, I was very critical, um, which I have been of both Kepa and Mendy at times, but I think at the moment he's definitely he shows you why he should be in goal. But then Kepa does that as well. Sometimes, you know, you see Kepa plays again, it's a very good headache for Tuchel to have. I think, you know, having two good goalkeepers, it's not a bad thing. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's, you know, Ben Sinelli's not going to get <laughs> a look if, if both of them are doing that, but you know, it's, um, it's a good he- headache to have.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as good as Kepa is, January African Cup of Nations will be letting um. Mendy join up with the Senegalese squad for a month, I think, mm. which is, I don't want to say worrying because I know I think January gets you. Get a few, <laughs> maybe it is, but I think you get a few yeah. FA Cup games, you know, opening round FA Cup games. And mm. I need to look at a list of fixtures, but um, yeah, you'd want Mendy during that period. So um, it is um, going to be quite an interesting time. And I think having Bettinelli on the bench in that, um, in that period as well was never even played a Chelsea game, if it does come on, should there be a Kepper injury or something? You're looking back at the Ross Town ball days or, you know, something like that, which is a bit worrying as well.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I I mean, we talk about Kepper, and I I think we, well, I do. I I still think of Kepper as that sort of young goalkeeper that came and I know I've spoken about him on here that he's obviously matured a lot as a person as well as a goalkeeper. And I think... I hope Senegal get knocked out early. Let's be honest. We want them out the first game, the first opportunity they can get knocked out. We want them knocked out so we can get Mendy back as a selfish point of view from Chelsea. Um, but no, I think Kepa's got enough about him. I think he'll be, um, I think he'll do just as good as a job to be fair. Um, but you did mention Kepa and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kepo, um tomorrow night, Chelsea versus Malmo, Champions League is back. I was reading earlier, I think um, there is going to be some changes. I think maybe Sal Niguez might come back in. Silva, who hasn't really featured, um I'm trying to think of his last game, but obviously he didn't play against Brentford because he couldn't. Um, Kai Havertz, I think Lukaku to be rested. I think those are the kind of key changes which have been spoken about so far. But I think Malmo haven't won a game so far if memory serves me correct. I don't think they've won any of their Champions League, the, the two Champions League games they've played. I think they've conceded seven goals. There's zero points. Surely this is a game which we dominate and we, we win.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we lost that game to Juventus, um, away to Juventus and now we've got Malmo home and then Malmo away. So next two Champions League fixtures, I think nothing but six points in those two games. You know, they're arguably the weakest op- opposition in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of games that you'd expect to you know to rotate. I do. I would like to see Kepa start tomorrow but at the same time. It's very hard to, to drop it. Really, really inform Mendy after the performance mm-hmm. he played um at the Brentford Community Stadium on on Saturday. So um, that's a bit of another headache for Tuco, But Sanlegas, I think, should be starting this game. If he doesn't, if he doesn't start this game, you wonder if he will ever even get a start for Chelsea other than Carabao Cup games um Havertz I wouldn't mind seeing Havertz as a lone striker um if he, if he if he drops lots of cheek it's an indication that maybe he really values him and wants to play him in the Premier League games which is also a good sign I suppose but um I think Silva will come back in um if he's finishes I think the isolation how it works now is you're allowed to go to training and to, to play matches but you still have to stay in, at home in between
0: yeah, I know Jeremy Mina was
1: doing that for Everton.
0: Yeah. He he couldn't sit on the subs bench, he was sitting away from the subs and mm. I think West Ham had to come out of a separate um tunnel that could use a separate they couldn't even come out together. But you know, if if Silver comes on, it kind of defeats the whole object because he'll be mixing with the players on the pitch. But
1: Yeah, Uh, I guess it was, it was, it was like that even during that restart period after the whole lockdown back in June, 2020, like they were shaking hands, but on corners, they were like, you know, shoving elbows and (laughs) hands all over the, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think the back line will be a bit different. Um, I think Mm -hmm. we goes back now. I think the actual starts, you know, if he's he's
0: recovered from his,
1: he's recovered from his headache. Um, but yeah, there'll be lots of changes. Um, I think going back from on memory, we played them last, I think in the Europa League when we, um, back in the Sari days, it was 2-1 yep. win, 2-1 um, yep. win away and a 3-0 win at Stamford Bridge. I think Barkley scored a free kick in that, if I remember. It's a so, good shout
0: from to start again, as well, yeah, I think he's, yeah. he's another name I'd like to see. If we do drop Loftus-Cheek, which it isn't actually a bad thing because, albeit Norwich are, you know, a, a team there for the taking, I think giving some minutes to someone like Barkley, like you mentioned, Havertz as well, I think would be um, a good opportunity, not just to rest Lukaku, but to see what Havertz can potentially do as well. Um, I think that'd be good. I think it'd be really good. And maybe even give Alonso some some minutes, some game time as well, because, you know, Chil has played, you know, those sort of back-to-back Chelsea games with the international in between. And I think just giving Alonso a bit of game time, keeping him fresh as well. I think that's a key thing. You know, you don't want to sort of not play them and then, they, you know, you need them at one point and they're just not up to the speed of the game.
1: Yeah, and our game on Saturday against Norwich is 12.30 kickoff. So uh, yeah. a reason more to rest some players and rotate. But, um, but yeah, I'm expecting, ai want to say a win. Um, I don't know, it's going to be one of those games where it completely depends how we start off, but I'd love like a 2-0 lead at halftime and it can be a comfortable second half. I don't want to anything yeah. to be like the Zenit home game where we kind of let it, left it a bit late to get that winner. But um, I think Zenit are arguably a better side than Malmo. Yeah, but no, I'm excited.
0: I mean, They're the top of their league, to be fair, well, mm-hmm. albeit in the the, the sort Swedish. Of their Swedish domestic league, but they are top. I've, I think um, I looked this morning, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they've lost five games, won 13. They've got a kind of good consistency, but again, the level of football, no disrespect to anyone who's from Sweden who might tune in, but it's slightly lesser than I think in the Premier League. So uh, I expect to win. I, I think, regardless of what team we put out, we could put out. You know, some of the other 23s, I still expect us to put up a good performance. We're at home, you know, Stanford Bridge, Champions League nights are always special anyway. But I think, yeah, I can see I can see Havertz starting. I think we'll rest Lukaku. I don't think he'll even come on uh, unless we're losing, which shouldn't be happening. But I think Havertz will probably get a few goals. I think Mason Mount might play because I think he, he didn't really get much time against Brentford. I think it was maybe 20 minutes or so, um, if that. I can't really remember when he came on, but I think Mason Matt might get some some time. He may even be in contention to to start again on on Saturday against Norwich. So again, you want to keep these players fresh. I know the games are coming thick and fast, but you still want them to be, you know, playing as much football as possible.
1: Yeah, perfect game for Rhys James to come back in and get some minutes as well. I know he got about 10, 20 minutes against um, Brentford on Saturday, but, you know, perfect game for him to start regain his match fitness and then hopefully maybe get be in line for start um, to start him on saturday but one thing i think i mentioned on a previous episode is i think it's, it's, it's really good to see from too how i think end of the summer before the you know on deadline day players like Barkley, M- malong saw and i think even lewis baker who's still you know training of the squad yeah. they weren't even given shout yeah. numbers they weren't even yeah. given shout numbers and you know it was almost an indication that they're not in two plans they Tuchel made it clear that, you know, he put them on almost a loan list, you know, told them to go search for a club and he be loaned out. And then he ended up, you know, not finding those clubs and they've stayed. Any other manager that I think would have managed Chelsea would have just let them trade at the reserve squad, would have, yeah. you know, told them, you know, you know, my plans now, um, try to find another club in January. But for the next, you know, five months, you're training with the reserve squad. Whereas Tuchel said, no, you know, they're part of the team now. They're going to play their role. And I think Saar and Barkley, from what we've seen this season, when they had played, they've done the job. They've really done the job. And I think there's more of that to come in the you know the coming months. Whether they go out they go out and learn in January, I don't know. But I mm. think it's a really credit to Tuchel for you know making the most out of the squad he's been given and giving every player a fair chance.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you're spot on. I think you know looking back at some previous um, scenarios where that's happened, where players have just not got the loan that they wanted and they've been isolated from the first team. He's almost gone in there and said, look, this is your opportunity to not just impress me as the gaffer, but other clubs that might want you in January. I think Burnley is still sniffing around Barkley, uh, which I think the deal was almost um, nearly done in the summer as well. I think with Burnley, I think they were one of the teams that were mentioned. So it's almost putting them in the shop window, but also allowing, you know, Tuchel to assess them. Maybe, you know, he can see if they are. I mean, Barkley's definitely taking his chances. I could probably say the same about Milankov if he was to play on um, Wednesday against Malmo as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a win-win. You know, if, if as long as the team are winning, Tuchel's getting the best out of the team and resting his key players, we're putting on you know a Barkley or a, a Milankov. But it's also putting him in the shop window for, mm-hmm. for January as well, which I think, you know, why not? Because yeah, there is going to be times where you might sit out games. Um, someone like a, a Barkley, who's probably not even you know, first contention. I think what's helped Barkley more so is Sao Niguez just hasn't been up to the pace of the, the league as well. And we've obviously had a few injuries in between that, but um, he's definitely taken his chances. And I, as painful as it is for me to say to an extent, I, I think I'd like him to stay at the club, to be fair. You know, I think he was, one, he's been one of the ones which I've been trying to get out the door myself. I was I'd drive him back to, to Liverpool myself if I can, but um, no, he's definitely proven he's, um, you know he's worth. You know he's definitely chips in with goals, um, and he's, he's you know he's, he's a good footballer. He's a, I've never doubted that at all. It's just his his off field attitude at times as well, and it's just not. Sometimes you don't need that around the club. So um, yeah, you know if he starts tomorrow and scores, let's keep him.
1: Mm, yeah, fantastic footballer. I Just agree with you a bit inconsistent and maybe a bit. I want to say lazy sometimes, but um, oh yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, if he stays, then you can only support him and wish him. You know, hope he does the does well and from what we've seen in his cameo appearances so far this season he's really done the job so I kind of hope he does stay, and um at least for the rest of the season
0: yeah definitely definitely so let's get into the predictions for for tomorrow Malmo um yeah go first let's hear hear your thoughts
1: I'm going to Stanford Bridge tomorrow I love a Champions League night at the bridge and even more so when we score lots of goals so I'm gonna say um (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the same scoreline as when we played them in the Europa League at the bridge. So I'm saying three-nil, I 3-0. think, um, if we have scorers, I'm going to Havertz, Mount and let's go for, did, uh, is, I'll go for Alonso, Alonso, Mount and Havertz.
0: That's good. That's good. I'm, I think, I think I'm going to go three-nil as well. I'm going to go 3 0. I think we'll score goals. I think, I think you, you mentioned earlier maybe getting two goals in the first half. I can see that happening. I think if we, if we attack like one, I know we can. And I think if we don't play Lukaku, I think we'll have that option to attack a bit more, which sounds weird. But if we've got a sort of that false nine, I think that's going to work really well. And yeah, I think 3 0, I can't see them scoring regardless of who's playing centre back for us or in our defence, regardless of whether it's Mendy or Kepa at Stanford Bridge and I expect us to keep a clean sheet we've got a good record of doing that especially in the Champions League so yeah 3-0 um, scorers is, is going to be a difficult one because I, I do think Tuchel's going to do a bit of a pick and mix with the, the squad so I think Havertz will definitely be on there if he starts and scores he he should get maybe one or two um, Jorginho I don't know if Jorginho's Ooh. fit maybe Jorginho penalty not sure, but yeah, it's we've going to be got, interesting.
1: We've got to say Barclay after what we've just said as well. I yeah, let's, throw, <laughs> no,
0: let's scrap Jorginho, let's put Barclay <laughs> in there. Um, maybe 4-0, Jorginho gets an 88th minute penalty and scores that as well. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a good game regardless. And obviously we've got Norwich to, um, to look forward to as well, which we'll do a review on in our next episode. But yeah, interesting game. I forgot you was going to the game as well, mm. so that'd be even better for you as well.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it. Nothing better than a Champions League game at the bridge.
0: Yeah. yeah. you, you got any tickets for Norwich?
1: Yeah, yeah. Norwich, Southampton and the there cup next week. Then i should get five tickets for the Chelsea Juventus game. Got yeah, tickets yeah. for Chelsea Man U. So I'm set for the next month.
0: <laughs> yeah, you go, you're busy, busy guy, busy guy. <laughs> um, hopefully you'll still be joining us on, on the pod every I week. Will. I will. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, you can, you can definitely follow us as well on um, at from the shed ends on Twitter. If you search for us on YouTube, it's the same from the shed end podcast and on Instagram, it's at from the shed end with underscores between each of the words. So give us a like, subscribe, comment, definitely interact with us. Let us know your thoughts as well. And as I mentioned before, we'll have um, the Norwich game, which is our, our next game. Hopefully we can get three points at that fixture as well. That'll be episode 31, but this has been episode 30. Theo, as always, thank you for joining me. Um, always a pleasure. And I know you do a lot of work on the socials as well. So appreciate all of that. But um, yeah, this has been episode 30 from the Shed End podcast with myself, T. and Theo. Thank you for listening.